Welcome to episode 15 of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show, a show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games. My name is Marley, you can follow me at Minor underscore Lenahan on Twitter, and at Minor hyphen Lenahan on co-host, which I use less often, uh, and my pronouns are he, him, and joining me today is my co-host, Hi there, my name is Cole, aka Ice Cold Brew, which you can follow me at Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, co-host, and uh, Tumblr at Ice Cold Brew. My pronouns are he, him, they, them. Yeah, you should really just have one name across all of them. I have all these hyphens and spaces and all this stuff, and it messes it up. That's annoying. Some people like to mess with stuff like that. Some people like to differentiate, so this way, I don't know, it's weird. Keep on their toes. Exactly. Well, you can follow me again on linktr.ee slash minor underscore Lenahan for all the other things, because it's hard to do that. Anyway, today we are talking about our best games of this year. But first, Cole, how you doing? You know, I've had I've had a pretty busy weeks, couple of weeks. I've been pretty, it's been a lot. This mm-hmm. end of the year is uh, deciding to heat up. Sometimes mm-hmm. literally for for me, like we had a over the weekend, it like hit the high 80s at one point in Texas. I I don't know what that means as an Australian, but I sympathize. If that was in Australia, you'd be dead. Yeah, I think in Celsius, it's like 20 degrees Fahrenheit. We are currently okay. in in 30 degrees. Yeah, 30 to 35 in Australia, which is equivalent to we're at 95. Yeah, so about 20 degrees, 25 degrees for us in Celsius. Merry Christmas! You're enjoying the winter season, as as here at last in Texas. Snow is falling. Merry Christical. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christical is what I actually said. Why did I say that? What What is wrong with me? I don't know. I am tired. It's Christmas. It's crisis. Yeah, what's what's been happening? Yeah, um, so on uh, my end, uh, last week I got to go see my very first live wrestling show. I went to go see All Elite Wrestling. Um, <laughs> you just sent me an article for Chris Tinkle. <laughs> yeah, it's a symbolic <laughs> object using the Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany service of many Christian denominations. Chris Tingle, from a word of German origin, Christkindl, meaning little Christ child, is used to celebrate Jesus Christ as the light of the world. It is an orange stabbed with toothpicks with, like, cheese and candy on it, and also has a big candle in the middle. Oh. That's what the Germans do. <laughs> anyway. You know, good, good for them. Good for them. Merry Chris Tingle to you. Merry Chris Tingle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh... I went to a wrestling event. I got to go there for the first time. I've been watching wrestling for like maybe about six months now mm-hmm. on and off. And uh, it was like a rare opportunity for me. And I took Holly. Uh, Holly got to come along. She got to experience it as well. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I would I wish I had more money to be on the floor sometimes because like yeah. it's nice to be Fighting? right in the action. Yes. Yeah. The audience participation is encouraged. No. The, the trick is if you fight, they pay you. So yes. that's 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 how that goes. Yeah. Uh was was Danhausen there? Uh Danhausen was not there actually. It Damn. was just uh it was Orange Cassidy and that was about it. Oh, oh and the best friends so Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. 
Yeah. But Dan Housen only showed up on camera to announce the main event with Mark Henry, yeah. which was really funny. I don't really follow wrestling, but I really, really, really like Danhausen. Danhausen is very funny. He he does curses on people. He's very nice, very evil. Yeah, <laughs> and he speaks like this. Yes, <laughs> just like mispronounces people's names. He's got kabuki makeup, which is the coolest yeah. shit. I love, I love Danhausen. It's really funny because like he does this like kind of bumbling, like very weird persona. But the last pay-per-view, he went full on evil. Like he threw some blood, like, you know, blood on his face, brought out a stake and mm. uh, showed up late to his uh, 5v5 match and yeah. took down the leader of one of the factions with the stake, like not stabbing him with it, but like hitting him with like the uh, flat iron side of it yeah. and then pouring teeth into the mouth of another wrestler. Oh, God. Teeth. That's like a yeah, that's like a gimmick from his indies days where like. The teeth are allowed because technically they're part of the body. Therefore, they're legal. OK, they're not real teeth. They're like fake teeth. But, you know, yeah, I assumed yeah. <laughs> that would be gross. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> love that Dan Housen yeah. played some Norco, finally finished it and fun game, fun game. Yeah, yeah, it was a very interesting game. I got only one of the endings because I realized after I got into a certain point, I kind of locked myself into one. Hmm. And uh, I was not in a mood to replay it the entire way to get to that point again. So yeah. moved on with that. That's how video games work. Unfortunately. Yeah, I just wish I knew about it beforehand, but I didn't think about it until I uh, met this one person and told them to fuck off. Yeah. And I got to play a little bit of Little Nightmares. I got to play some Scarlet Hollow. Scarlet Hollow is a visual. I actually want to talk more about Scarlet Hollow than... Little Nightmares, Little Nightmares was doing is like a gimmick thing for a Little Nightmare Before Christmas. Twitch.tv slash IceCoolBrew. Don't watch the VOD because I can't figure out why all my VODs get muted without any warning. I think it's a capture problem more than anything. Could be a royalty thing. Maybe. Like if you have like music, it mutes or something. You know, I think that too. But but yeah, so Scarlet Hollow is a, a visual novel horror game made by Black Tabby Games. Mm -hmm. And it is fascinating. You come into Scarlet Hollow, the town, because your aunt has died and you are there to uh, reconnect with your long lost family and basically explore the town, help out the funeral. And you go you find out that like your long lost family have this giant, huge, decrepit mansion. And the more fun part of the game is in the very beginning, you get to pick traits that you have. There are there is a mystic physique observant, knowledgeable, animal talker, and hot. And so Holly and I picked hot and talk to animals. Yeah. So we get to talk to animals and also we get to flirt the entire time, which is great because the very first thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's like this other thing you can do too, where like you give people like an award winning smile and they like warm up to you. There's a straight up shitty comment you can make to your cousin who talks about like, either getting rejected or something like that you can just straight up say like i don't know if i've ever been rejected by someone before <laughs> like just be really shitty in a specific way there's like funny little achievements this is also the same team that made uh that have that game in uh development called uh slay the princess which is like a multi-route kind of game this is also a multi-route game mm-hmm. one of the fun achievements on here is that damn smile is you can make your cousin who is like very angsty 
very much like small town only kind of person uh smile and that's just a straight up achievement you can just get that's cool it's actually really funny oh my god there's some horrifying images on here oh yeah no it's horrifying you get to see some of the monsters so in the first episode it picks up at like like later third the late third part of it is when it gets actually creepy mm. like you go hunting for cryptid cryptids and that's where everything goes wrong yeah i definitely recommend checking it out it's a very fun game uh i'm probably gonna pick up pick it up soon and play more of it maybe throughout this month maybe throughout the next month as well yeah i have not written down anything for what i've done this week because i was hoping that when we got to me i would just be like i will just improvise this and i'll be able to tell you what i've been up to um I've been watching a lot of gangster films because I've been I've been I wrote a game called Gontra of Must Die. And so I, despite watching gangster films for most of my my life from from early childhood, because that was a thing my dad was very into. I I've been watching Boardwalk Empire and have been sort mm. of enjoying it and sort of really liking how the same kind of actors keep showing up in things. Some characters I recognize from like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. There's some people from like the wire and although i haven't seen it the sopranos and so i just i really like this like seeing like certain people turn up again and again and just seeing like think like oh they must be really fun to work with that's why people keep bringing them back because they're they do really cool performances and stuff like that and yeah boardwalk empire is pretty cool it's it centers around uh steve Bashimi, who is who is not a a typical gangster leading man but does an incredible job in this um he's a much gentler person than like a robert de niro he's also really it's really interesting the way he does romance and stuff like that because he's steve Bishimi, and he's very gentle and he's very nice and he's not like he's not the the gruff i, I keep going to robert de niro because that's who i always think about but like you know steve Bishimi is very like nice and polite and like his whole character is it's it's like set in the 1920s and his whole character is like uh, a pro suffragette and and stuff like that or it's like pretending to be that to get the vote while also being like a bootlegger and like killing people um and so it's really interesting seeing this like two-faced character who's sort of like enforcing certain values in certain times and it's like you're not really sure what his whole deal is and whether he is like a good person or not and yeah, that's been pretty good. Uh, what else? Did you get to catch the Game Awards at all? I did. Um, I watched, I think, two separate streams about the Game Awards that occurred. And yeah, I don't know. It's like one of those things. I sort of like saw a lot of them. Um, you, you wrote down here Hades 2 and Armored Core 6, which, yeah, they're good. I liked Hades. Yeah. I've never played Armored Core. I suspect it's going to be really good. It's by From Software. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was that was a thing. Well, do you ha do you have any specific thoughts about the games? I'm gonna quickly look at the list of games that came out. Yeah, so one of the games that kind of came out a little bit out of nowhere for me was uh the Bioshock creators uh are making mm. a space basically a space Bioshock. They're calling it Judas. Ken Levine is after ten years. <laughs> after ten years, striking while the iron is hot. There's a Death Stranding two is coming out. Which I didn't realize there was room for a two in uh, Death Stranding one, but also I haven't played well, it. Have you? Have you played? Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, do you know yeah. how it ends? I don't. I have yet to touch it, honestly. 
Armored Core 6 has me so fucking excited. Armored Core, like, I have the last game right next to me right now. It's Armored Core 5 Verdict Day. I just started yeah. playing it again. And it's still very difficult, but, like, you know, Armored Core is a very interesting spot because it was, like, before FromSoft became, like, more well-known. But it's where, like, the Moonlight, the Moonlight Sword came from. It was a laser blade originally in Armored Core. Patches came from Armored Core. Yeah, and they all carried over to the Souls franchise and Bloodborne and all that. I think they're taking a lot of their inspirations from what they learned making Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, Elden mm. Ring, and they're applying it to this because the opening lines they put in Armored Core Six: "Fires of Rubicon" is uh, "Feed the Senders" or something like that. Feed the Senders. Feed the fire. Okay. And let the last Senders burn. There we go. Feed the fire. Let the last Senders burn. So I'm like. Yeah, they're definitely touching up a lot on uh, what they've learned from that. But also, like, the thing about Armored Core is, like, it's not as big as, as Dark Souls and Elden Ring and stuff, but there was that the first big series that really made their name. Mm -hmm. It was, like, one of these things that sold incredibly well. Like, it was... I think it was Armored Core 4 Answer was the big one. But yeah, there's, there's so many games that made so, so much... Um, so much profit way back when. Specifically, it sold very well in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have Cyberpunk 2077 is has released their gameplay trailer for the new DLC, which is going to feature Idris Elba yeah. now as part of the main cast. I love Idris Elba. I don't care about Cyberpunk. <laughs> yep. I If I play this, it's because Idris Elba. Yeah, Um. I have gone through all of these, and the only one that gave me any amount of oh, wow, I'm so excited for this, is a game I don't think is going to be very good. I'm like, based on what they've shown, is not going to be as good, but it's it's the Hellboy game, everybody. <laughs> it's Hellboy the Web of Weird. And the one reason it sticks out for me, because like the trailer itself, fairly short, a monster approaches a shadowy figure, that shadowy figure turns out to be Hellboy. And from what it said... It's like a roguelike action adventure with brawling elements. And I'm like, I don't care about that. That's not what a Hellboy thing is to me. A really good Hellboy thing would be like a Telltale style game. That would be good. But That would be very cool. One thing I noticed going through the comments was the voice of Hellboy, who is Lance Reddick. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, Lance Reddick keeps turning up in weird things. Like he was in the Resident Evil uh, television show as he was playing what's his name, um, and he is the voice. He has like one line in this, which I didn't even pick up first time that I listened to it. But yeah, he is the voice of Hellboy in this, and it, it's just a wild casting choice. And just like it seems like like Lance Reddick is is being like, yeah, well, that seems like fun. I'll play a devil detective. That'll be that'll be great. And maybe he's like mm -hmm. a big fan of it all. And so that's why I'm really excited for it. Um, I think he'll do a good job with the voice, and I want to see him playing that character. And that's literally the only other thing that caught my interest in this. All these things. <laughs> Uh, uh, Forspoken just got their demo out. There was something that I okay. wanted to shout out that I thought was really. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Right under that is Crime Boss Rock A City announced uh, cast really? including. <laughs> I no, I think this is hilarious. It's a stealth action FPS yeah. to become the leader of a criminal underworld in a fictional version of '90s Florida, starring Chuck Norris, Danny Trejo, and Vanilla Ice. Oh, there's more. Oh God, I don't want to. Michael Madsen, Kim Michael Bassinger. Madsen, Kim Bassinger. 
Hold on. What's it called again? Uh, I immediately forgot the name as soon as I read Crime it. Boss. Crime Boss. God. Crime Boss. Crime Boss. What what awfulness. I'm I'm gonna watch people play Suicide Squad kill the Justice League first before mm. uh I pick that up. Because I do I kinda do like the idea behind that game. Don't give a shit about Diablo 4. Could not care less. Especially yeah. considering the company behind it and they're all in crunch right now. Yeah. Star Wars Jedi Survivor, I'm very excited for. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things, like I feel like I've played the first one, so I kinda get it. There's nothing mm-hmm. in the trailer that made me go, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. It's more like they, they show a different kind they show Kylo Ren's lightsaber. You can get that. And you can have like two lightsabers, but you could already do that. And so I'm just like, yeah, okay. You do that again. Great. Yeah. Earthblade looks cute. I don't know what that is. It's the uh, creator of Celeste is making another game. Hades 2 is going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. I do like that we're still staying in that area. It's still going to be somewhere related to the theme of Hades. I love the prediction that we're going to be fighting Zagreus in this one. He's going to be a boss that we go up against. Even if he's an NPC, that would be just great. Oh, I would love that. Among Us Hide and Seek was funny to me. I, yeah. I think that's something really funny to announce at Game Awards, but at the same time, more Among Us. Yeah, it's a good game. It continues to be good. I think they've had some fun updates since since I've last played a year ago or whatever. So that's fun. I still want to play it in VR at some point in the near future. If uh, I ever am able to get into VR, I would love to play that. Yeah, it's fun. I like VR. VR can be good. Oh, did you see that uh, Citizen Sleeper was nominated for Indie Game of the Year, but Stray took the cake? Yeah, Indie Game Stray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it an indie game? It is an indie game, I'm pretty sure. I think it's from a... Hold on, let me look at what studio made it. I know it was... Like, I think maybe Stray was owned by... Annapurna Interactive. It was published yeah. by Annapurna. Uh, developed by Blue 12 Studio, so... Yeah, I guess that counts. Yeah, Blue 12 is... One to ten employees. Yes, this is definitely an indie game. I mean, they probably did have some like bigger people who worked for some other some like major companies, but wanted to make their own little studio. And so they get thrown to the indie slot at that point. Still a cool game. Yeah, that's good. It's a good game. But yeah, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) The game award stuff. I'm just like realizing after going through that list, I'm just like, nah, that that all happened. There's nothing that makes me incredibly excited. I will tell you, the game of the year was Elden Ring, and one of the other games that won a lot of awards was God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. Kind of disappointing. The the actual game of the year was... Uh, uh, um, Elden Ring. Power Wash Simulator. Oh, yeah. Actual game of the year is Power Wash Simulator. You're right. It didn't even mention it. It wasn't even nominated. I don't care. <laughs> Disappoint- disappointed by big gamers again. Yeah. Big gamers take it away. Uh, speaking of big gamers... We have been playing a lot of games, and <laughs> we're big. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's uh, what the show is, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you been playing recently? What's 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 been what TPGs I've been checking out? So I haven't yet played it. I'm trying to get a group together IRL because I have a physical copy of it. But I want mm-hmm. to talk more about Our Queen Crumbles by Jason Brown. Mm-hmm. I actually kickstarted this game way back, and I've had the game for a while. I just happened to be cleaning my bookshelf and found it again. It mm-hmm. is very beautifully done. It is a kind of mix of fall of magic, uh, shared storytelling. The end of the story is 
no matter what happens, the queen was assassinated and you are trying to find out why from the assassin. So you're trailing this assassin the entire time. There's also mm. apparently a new update uh, with some extra playbooks called the Retainers, which is really interesting. But right now I have the base game, which has the Gravity Witch, the Knight of Whispers, of the Hangsman Golem, mm. and the Bloody Historian. And, you know, you play all these characters and you explore like a variety of areas. I have like a some really big index cards that give me like the different setting. Uh, let me write what kind of character I am and traits on the back. And everyone like takes a turn playing the queen mm. in each game, playing the, the setting and exploring the questions. And each area you explore, it has one simple objective track where the assassin's going. No matter what, you will always be exploring all the areas. It is a really cool game, and it's a nice little, like, guided storytelling bit that I've yet to get around to playing, honestly. But the art's very pretty. The last couple of weeks, I don't know what it is, but a lot of people talking about AI art, and it's just nice to see not AI art. Like, this is just a nice drawn map. God. Some, like, really good picture of a gravity witch. Who did the art? Uh, I want to shout them out. Uh, here I can uh, probably uh, find uh, them. Layout not by Adam Bass. Yes. Wait. Hold the on. lead illustrator is Al Lukehart. Oh, okay. My mistake. I'm reading the Golems of Clay Pit. Uh, the production consultant is Adam Bass. Cover art was done by Lonely Egg Studio, Jessica Vong, and Salvi Cloak. Yeah. It looks incredible. It looks very cool. Again, it's 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 referring back to um, what was the map game you set up just a moment ago? Fall of Magic. Fall of Magic. That's one of the games that I've like heard less plays for, but I've never actually read through myself. Um, it is a really different game, and I really like it because I I really like nice looking maps. That's like mm -hmm. my my main thing, and I like the the way that game approached prompts and about like playing scenes and these kind of things. God, one thing I would love to do is I would mm -hmm. love to buy two scrolls for Fall of Magic, one to like actually hang up and then one yeah. to actually play on. Because yeah. uh, Fall of Magic is uh, created by Heart of the Core. It's not, uh, they have a different person who wrote the game, I, mm -hmm. who I can't remember for the life of me right now. But Heart of the Darren Core is also working on City of Winter right now. They actually are working on like the uh, uh, stuff for that in the moment. Ooh, they have a village poster. On their retail, I am getting distracted by Princeton Apparel right now, and I do yeah. not have the money for this. <laughs> fail, 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 fail. Oh, f hold on. I okay. I gotta, I gotta send you the link for this poster from the fail, fail, fail. <laughs> Check it out afterwards. It's just one. Look how cool that is. Anyways, moving on. What are the classes like? So that's actually a good point. I should retouch on this. So because they look amazing. So, fun fact about all the playbooks you play. Mm -hmm. So, for the four playbooks, when you're not playing the queen or the assassin, all of them love the queen. That is an yeah. auto-selected trait. Everyone loves the queen and is upset that she died. An interesting one for the assassin's trait, uh, rumor that you can pick, is also love the queen. Yeah. So, each of the playbooks all have different abilities. So, if you're the Knight of Whispers, you grew up with the queen and became their protector. You have a variety of traits and rumors behind you, like you could be cursed. You once outdrank a troll. Uh, you can have a variety of weapons, like two single-shot crossbows loaded, an iron mm -hmm. chain blackened by fire. You have the salt and iron crowns in your satchel, a jet black cigar. 
I can actually see where these references are coming from. Is this Dishonored? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> For the Gravity Witch, you have different spell books, all of which have different kind of like touchstones. So you have Commune, Desmethne. I can't. D E M E S N E. Desmethne. I can't say that. I don't know. Uh, Black Hole, Illusory Mirage, Calamity, and Mend. Um, you could be enamored with the pirate hunter Trebinald Monte Castile. You have dangerous reputations among the peasants of Holloway. Uh, you have a rival named the Golden Mage Farzapal. The hangman golem was born from a lump of river clay and a smooth stone engraved with the queen's full name. It's their duty mm. to dispense the queen's justice. Despite the magical contract binding them, the queen has always treated the golem tenderly, and the golem secretly believes they are the queen's child. That's really sad. Also always carries rope, which is interesting. It sounds really cool. And I also wonder if it has, like, some kind of twist at the end. Like, when I was playing Notorious, which is similarly, like, you have to find the, the, the your, your person. Like, is there, like, a fun twist mechanic as soon as you find the last person? Yeah. There's a structure in the game called the conclusion scene. So you work mm -hmm. together to, basically, as you're tracking the assassin, you're finding out different rumors, and you're marking off different things, and you are filling out a path tracker. Yeah. When you have filled the last box, your journey is over and you have arrived at the tree under the mountain, which is where you will always catch the assassin at. Conduct a okay. conclusion scene to finish the story. To work together, mark a conclusion on the assassin's sheet and decide how it comes about. And, you know, the conclusions for this could be... There we are. Uh, the assassin lies dead at the foot of the tree under the mountain. The assassin is left free, but it's banished from Holloway. Something else. Or the assassin has proven their purpose and is allowed to do what they will. Uh, you also mark a conclusion on the queen sheet. So the queen sheet only has one conclusion. The queen is truly dead and her amalgam body lays lifeless. Oh, I should mention that in the very beginning. The queen's dead. When the queen is assassinated. <laughs> yeah, when the queen gets assassinated, the gravity witch acts quickly and gives her a like statuesque form so everyone can still interact with her. But she is decaying the entire time. And yeah. that's neat. Oh, yeah. I thought it was really cool. Ooh, the queen's footsteps curse the ground she walks on. That's not so great. <laughs> uh, that's one of the decay markers you can hit. But yeah, you can also mark conclusions for everyone else in the party as well. What happens to them at the end. I love that there is just something else on all of them. Because the only true thing that could happen is the queen dies. But everyone else could have something different happen in their story, which I think is really neat. That's definitely something I want to check out as someone who has not gotten into... Uh, full of magic. And also, like, one of the things I haven't really looked into much was uh, uh, For the Queen. That's the mm -hmm. one where it's, where it's about a queen who is uh, going to die or is going to be betrayed by one of you. Yeah, the queen has attacked you, protect her. And that kind of thing. So that'd be really cool to check out. I also really like the art. Looks really neat. Yeah, I think there's, like, a little bit of, like, touchstones. Because I think For the Queen came out first, and then this one came out a little yeah. while after. But I could see them, like... Not really, like, looking over each other's shoulders for notes, but definitely, like, looking at something going, oh, that's a really neat way you designed that cake, and then applying that to their pie. You know what I mean? Kind of? <laughs> Wait, what? So you have two different flavored... Okay, not forget the pie. The pie is non-existent. Two different okay. flavored cakes, but both... Oh, the cake is a metaphor. The cake is a metaphor. The cake is a lie. <laughs> I thought I, I, like, zoned out for a second there, and I thought there was a cake mechanic in Alcreen Crumbles, and I'm like, okay, I was trying to, like... <laughs> Keep this in mind. Let's do all this. Ingredients. Pie? What is going on? Huh? 
It's only oh god, that'd be that'd be actually fucking hilarious if there was a pie <laughs> mechanic <laughs> just snuck in at the very end. Yeah, the conclusion mechanic and the pie mechanic. What else? What did you check out? I I talked for a hot minute there. So me and Nick Duff have found out we're in the same city together, and so we've been catching up and like playing games. Nick Duff, who also worked on uh, Blood Clot, made uh, uh, Blood Clot the doctor-based uh, resistance system game um, and basically brought around this game called Partners, a role-playing game for, for two players by Steve D. Um, now, we when we went to, um, when we met up in uh, PAX Oz, we saw Steve D at a panel. It was a really interesting panel in which they talked about uh, a bunch of like board game creators who was like the the most acclaimed board game creators of the of the show uh did like a speech about like the industry and such like that and steve d was one of the people there and as i understand it uh steve d has been working for decades in in um i believe the australian board game industry but could be international as well basically nick brought this game had read the rules knew the rules of this it's like a hundred page book that's like laid out like a um like a paperback novel, like a thin paperback novel. Um, I had not read the rules, and it was a very fun experience just sitting down and playing this game. Um, to outline what the game is, uh, it is a game in which you play two partners. There is the wild card and I think like the straight-laced person or something. I can't quite remember that what the other person was. Um, and you basically do like a cop show. It like it like calls several references like bones, like monk, like I don't know. It mentioned like a psychic dog at one point, so I think Scooby Doo is in there. Um, I wanted to play this the psychic dog so bad, we didn't. Has a really fun character building mechanic in which you basically uh you pick out who is the straight laced uh, cop, who is the wild card. Um, you write your character without knowing what the other player is doing, and then you pass your sheet to the other person. And there is a, um, oh, give me two seconds, I'm gonna find the character. I do that. Look at the game page more. Unique storytelling game for two players from award-winning designer Steve D. A love letter hmm. to the police procedural mystery of the weak television genre. Players take the roles of detectives hot on a murder case each session of play. Instead of players trying to discover a plot created by a GM or a freeform, a solution, random card draw slowly reveal which suspects are in play and what kind of clues they provide. Only when the final card is drawn in the final scene will the detectives and the players know who did it. I feel like I've heard of this before. Yeah, so, so basically, like, uh, I was playing the straight shooter, and I basically wrote what my, what my character was, which was... Uh, a former amateur actor in Shakespearean tragedies. I worked in props and backstage, even direction. Um, I wasn't very good at either. Um, and then I basically passed over to to Nick, and Nick basically came up with my subordinate, who is like my assistant that I always go to to get help. Um, in Monk, this is Randy. If people know Monk, I've been watching a lot of Monk like YouTube scenes <laughs> for some reason, so that's on the brain. But it's basically like the assistant I go to who's, who's basically the side comic relief and so forth. And so uh, Nick wrote that one, which was a a hacker who had a bad dating life. And then I got the thing back and then I wrote um, who who my touchstone is, which is generally like the dead wife or like the wife 
there's a lot of dead women in these these kind of stories, which is kind of sad. I made one which was a Batman character, and my touchstone was just like because it's the, the touchstone is like reminding people what matters and so forth. And so mm. basically playing it out, it was so much fun to sort of like generate these characters and to come up with like the whole mystery. And then when you actually played the game, it was very weird because like one the rules specifically said that you should not play this for more than one episode because it's exhausting to do which i'm like hmm if your game is exhausting to do maybe you should make it easier <laughs> and uh the way we were telling the story was like um there were like pages in the books that we could write in but obviously i didn't want to like mess with the book and neither did nick so we basically had these pieces of paper which we wrote our notes on about our characters and stuff like this and we ended up with six pages of notes that we're just like skimming through and jumping between and trying to keep track of everything. Jesus. And it got really confusing. Like, again, I hadn't read the rules, so it was kind of like just going off what, what Nick was telling me. But it was just like the straight shooter leads one scene, then the, then the wild card leads the next. And you kind of like jumping between them and you had a certain number of scenes and you have to figure out the branches, the root, the poison and the fruit of the character. And it was it was it was so interesting because like the opening bit of just making characters and doing this whole thing was so much fun. And like we invented a TV show where we were both people who worked on Hollywood sets and our rival was was a um, was a studio fixer. And it was like, OK, here's this cool show. And then we played the game and we're just like, I don't really know what we're doing. Kind of like jumping between and doing all these things. And it was complicated because we were keeping track of all these different characters and trying to like throw out evidence and making up a murder mystery on the fly and i was just like i don't really know what's happening and in the end we were basically like okay okay let's forget all the rules and let's just try to play these scenes as scenes let's just kind of like do what i like doing in in tabletop rpg which is just like let's just play a scene and ignore the rules like stop rolling stop doing all these things and play it and it was interesting it felt really muddled in that last bit. It felt really hard to do and improvise on the fly. And it was it was just so weird. And it's also like filled really weird that it was like, you know, several hundred pages long. Again, I didn't read it, but it was, you know, people do games like these in like 20 pages on itch.io. And it felt like so I just like I feel really <laughs> I feel really bad for 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 Steve D who made this. <laughs> because it's just like you could make a smaller game and i know you're like you you work in print products and release them out but like if you made a smaller product it would be easier for you it would be faster paced and i don't know easy to sort of get around again that's not the game it was but yeah it was it was it was a really interesting experience it's like one of these games that i have not played very many of and i was kind of very interested in it and seeing like different approaches to it um, and it was also a fun game that, that Nick Duff kind of like sprung on me and I was like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. We can play a Scooby-Doo if we want. All right. <laughs> this is a bunch of wild fun. I'm just imagining like, cause like I'm also going back to the page and mm -hmm. there's a expansions to this too. There's not just partners mm. There's partners, the, uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu, uh, well, yeah, the Eldritch file, the junior detective file, the Sherlock file, the Noir file, the tea time file, the cyber file. And if this game is like 100 plus pages and then this, then I feel like there could have been like a, not to be mean, but like a nicer, like more well-contained like zine version, you know? I mean, there is, you can buy the game on each day. It's 25 bucks. I'm, I'm guessing it is probably the 100 page version of it. But yeah. 
Yeah. It is it is it it is interesting. And it's also like I really wish I read it because um cuz cuz Nick Duff was like talking about how the book itself has like a number of things about like hey, playing as cops is kind of weird in 2022. It also had like a bunch of like sort of like background theories about you know these kind of cop shows and what they represented and you know how the procedural came about and what a procedural is and i'm just like that sounds really interesting and i would probably like to read it for that supplementary material itself but um i don't know it's a it's an odd thing Mm -hmm. and it was it was kind of confusing to play (laughs) but um i think it's it's fun to check out i think like one one of the things that tabletop RPGs struggle with is telling mysteries and inventing mysteries on the fly, usually it's much more interesting to play as like criminals who like do the crime and try and thwart the police than it is to invent a crime and invent like what criminals are doing. Um, yeah, like that kind of thought process reminds me of like there's a struggle with playing Noirlandia mm. with uh, how the game is paced from time to time, especially when like you're supposed to gather all these clues and make them all make sense. Yeah, but also the game will punish you if you roll poorly and erase your clues so you don't know where it's going to next it's weird you also uh played gumshoe right you played the sword of serpentine sword of the serpentine yeah but i'm not gonna lie when i played sword of the serpentine for the show i wasn't really thinking of it as like a mystery well actually no i take that back there was one arc where i was trying to figure out what would be the best angle to prevent an assassination is Mm. and i didn't really play out in that way or like there's another angle where like we had to explore areas to find where a source of corruption was and that didn't really feel mystery like anyway it still it felt like I was kind of playing an adventure and I was just kind of following hmm. up like different areas of interest so I decided to do a crime instead cuz like the thing i heard about gumshoe is it's like oh it's the best murder mystery because cuz like every time you investigate you always come up with clues, even if you fail and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which has always intrigued me, but I've never really checked it out. So that's probably one of the things I should check out. Yeah. And yeah, it's fun to play a murder mystery. I do enjoy that bit. Murder mysteries are fun. Speaking of murder mysteries, you played Swarm by Ghostlight, Wings of Rot, the new expansion. I did not play it yet. I actually just looked into it a bit more. I have yet to play it. It is one of the things I'm doing this week, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Wings of Rot expansion from Matthew John. So I did play mm-hmm. the uh, Evan Wood Effigies version. Yes. And then I expanded out into wanting to check out Wings of Rot. And Wings of Rot, I think, feels a little bit more smoother. It feels a little bit better because it's making sure you, all everything you have written down on your sheet is being actively used instead mm-hmm. of just like punished. You can check how much equipment you have now. So if your supply... If you roll a d6 and it's below what your supply is, you have exactly what you need. If it's exactly what you need, uh, you can up your momentum or add one to your action roll. Or if you roll above your supply total, you have to reduce your supply more to improvise Mm -hmm. or you go without it, which puts you in a more difficult position. Uh, There's status effects the entire time. Interesting. It's a layered city. And looking at the image itself, I might get you like a little snipping tool screenshot of it just so you can see it but it feels very hollow knight to me Ooh, like yeah, i've seen it it's like it's almost like a um it's like you have your what's that game where you're like on a boat and you're like sharing people back and forth spirit fair 
Spiritfarer. It looks very much like Spiritfarer. I still need to play that. Um, you can see this on the on the itch.io page. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go to uigeron.itch.io/sbg-wings, uh, then you can sort of find your way there. Yeah. Which is cool. So, so to to what what was for people who haven't heard it before? What was um the previous Swarm by Ghostlight game? What was like? What did you do? And how does this connect? I guess. Yeah, so in the previous form by Ghostlight game, you were investigating a, a series of ser- serial killings. Jesus, I cannot speak today. Um, as a occult detective, occult investigator, and mine, I just listed them as wardens because I was in a mood to list it as that. Yeah. Um, and you were in Monathstone, which is a Victorian London-inspired city where the moon is cracked and bleeds ghostlight into the world, festering ghost necromancy and undeath. Mm-hmm. And Wings of Rot very similar setup to that, except in this one, let's see, I want to make sure I am saying this part right. Uh, you are actually being uh, told to seek out the lost and uh, people who have gone missing, if I remember okay. correctly. And that is what you need to do in order. You need to go into the rift to seek reunion and seek the wings of rot. And it is still the same setup. You are a occult investigator, maybe not as well recognized as, say, if you were in Monathstone, mm-hmm. but definitely someone who will go out to help the Rifters and has some kind of awareness of the unknown. Yeah, there is the case itself has strange visitations of a few float claiming to see clusters of moth that trail ghost light and have monsters. There's an alarming number of folks missing. And, and like any time these people have gone missing, all their belongings are drawn or carved in with a uh, little moth trailing ghost light and death. It's a similar setup as before. Same kind of rule set, just now with new mechanics added in of status and mm-hmm. uh, layers, adding a modifier to your role. It's a really cool game. And you do still need to have the base game of the Ebonwood effigies in order to play this one. So you can get an idea of what happens when you roll. Fortunately, I have that figured out on my end, so... <laughs> Quick question. What are the rings, Wings of Rot? The Wings of Rot are whatever you want them to be. Play to find out. <laughs> no, tell me. You can't just do that. So it's like it's like one of these things that like you're invented, you invent as you play. Yeah, it's like... It basically says, seek the Wings of Rot. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I also misspoke earlier. So the rift is actually between the two hills of Monathstone. It's a yeah. tear in the ground around that area, so you're actually near it, but you're now diving underground a bit more. But yeah, as for the Wings of Rot, play to find out. I like that kind of thing, but it's just like, what does the title of this game mean? You decide, not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how also does it feel as a game that, that functions as a sequel? Because it's a thing that not many games do, or it's kind of rare that like games like function as like a continuation of a story. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, like, how does that how does that feel? Uh, so this one kind of does a little bit more of like an ominous, like spectral start. I think it's fine if I read the intro of the game. So it's like the second page in the moon mm-hmm. bleeds death unto our world. Those who die no longer rest eternally beneath the surface, but return on strands of ghost light as wild, unpredictable specters. The restless dead. Yet as the moon even now calls the newly depart, uh, newly parted to an eternal rest that has ceased to exist, to later return, driven mad by what they have lost. They are given the briefest of moments to seek the loved ones and enemies alike. 
Very rarely, they seek help for others in trouble. Very rarely, they linger for selfless reasons. Rare, but not unheard of. Flickering ghost light, ashen and violet, bursts forth from the gospherescent lantern on your desk. A face rises within the glass, struggling to hold on to this moment. You listen for the words of a newly parted. I have seen them. The lost. The voice faded and cracked, filled the air. Alive. For now. Find them. The rift. Seek reunion. Seek wings of rot. The room falls dark and silent once more. They are gone for now, and you have a case. I think this is like a very easy like opt into sequel for your uh if you play the Ebonwood FGs and then opt into this, you can definitely yeah. pull your uh detective back if they survive. Also the the ghost thing, the ghost appearing in a in a lantern and telling you that there's a case happening, that is new to this game. It wasn't in the previous one. Is it that was right? not in the previous game. Like you could interact with ghosts and spirits and such. Which is cool. But this is a whole new like kind of colors in the world a little bit more. This is like a Charlie's Angels thing. Yeah. <laughs> i i have not seen charlie's angel angels but yes the general gist is a person called charlie calls up and gives the angels a mission and that's that's it <laughs> but yeah that's really nice i really i really like that opening line mm -hmm. um that sounds really neat it'd be cool to hear more about sworn by ghost light in the future from us perhaps mm -hmm. yeah maybe we should get together and see if we can play a game Yes, and perhaps you should do a one-off episode about it. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. To, to close out this segment, uh, I have also been playing uh, very briefly a, a Red West one-shot. I've previously played uh, a game with Scamper and a couple others on, on uh, one of the... the uh, Roll plus bond discord Ooh. and um i'm sort of approaching it after having played it and um trying to build up my own little version of the red west and i'm immediately finding that i'm just like i'm gonna throw out all the stuff that's written here i'm gonna write everything myself i'm gonna try and build out this whole world i'm gonna figure out what the factions are i'm gonna figure out what the core drama is and it's a one shot so this is too much work but I'm just really enjoying just like building it and just like focusing on the Red West to, to introduce people into the Red West who haven't heard it before, haven't heard us talk about it before. Uh, it is on Mars. Someone built a theme park that was basically cowboy themed. It's kind of like Westworld. Corporations rule the, rule the place, does all that. And essentially at one point, someone was digging around in the desert and they found the Hellmouth, and so devils came out and began to change this place. And so there's been hell wars for the past forty years or so. Uh, cowboys have have basically left the theme parks and are just kind of wandering around. Mm -hmm. And so you basically play a weird West style story, um, uh, based in the Resistance system. It's a it's a hack of Heart the City Beneath by Grant Howard and Christopher Taylor, mm -hmm. and you fight devils. And it's really good. And there's mechanics for doing mysteries. There's mechanics for hunting monsters. The mechanics for doing delves. And so I'm just being like, okay, let's look at all these things. Look, look at, read through the thing again and build my own version of it, and focus on the things that I am interested in. Uh, it's on my old uh, group that I used to play uh, Blades in the Dark for. 
And so I'm really excited to see how that comes together and how everybody brings brings their fun ways of playing characters to it. Oh yeah. It's it's early days, but I'm extremely extreme excited for it. I, I still need to shout out the second page because like you you said like <laughs> all the descriptions of it. I still love the 2039 proof of concept Mars settlement established. 2044, authentic Wild West Entertainment Colony opens. 2046, Hellmouth opens. 2048, the infernal conflict begins. 2084, nobody left but us cowboys. I thought you were going to go for rule. <laughs> the Oh, the fucking cowboy hat rule? <laughs> rule yeah. zero? Any player who wears a cowboy hat during the session may re-roll once during it and take the better result. Yeah. Yeah, tell people, like, send a photo if they're wearing a cowboy hat. This way they can get a free re-roll that one shot. <laughs> but yeah, I love I love the setting. I love, I love, it's, with, with, uh, with Morgborg, which I think talked about last time, or the time before, who knows. I really like the setting. I wanted to really play with it and mess with it. And I feel that like Red West is similar in that like I like all these things mixing up. I love corporate conspiracies and, and spies coming down from like satellites and messing around with things. I love devils appearing and corrupting everything and people taking their powers and doing stuff with it. I mm -hmm. love there's trains in it. It's like I think the, the existing thing is like just curse trains like in heart. But I'm like, I want to do more with that. So what if they just had like a monorail that like people are building and trying to keep up and running? And I'm just fine. I'm just enchanted with this setting. And again, <laughs> Briar Sovereign, who wrote this, is is working on Armorister. I think a new uh, uh, thing is coming up with that. Yeah, Armorister, Advent, and also the British things we know. Yes, there's a lot of work that, that's going on, and Briar is working very hard on all of them, so yeah. But I really like really like Red West, um, and I just wish there was more rules to it currently, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I want to play this for more than a one-shot, because the number of abilities and such like that is 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 not, not very big, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But it's a really good book, I really enjoy reading it, I like the setting, it's very weird, and it's... I'm extremely excited to play this. I'm extremely decided, uh, excited to play within it and do mysteries and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, that's what I have been checking out. Um, but it has come to December. It is the thirteenth of December, twelfth for you. Mm -hmm. And and thus we have neared the end of this year. We have been doing this this podcast for more than six months, so it's not like a full thing. But I have compiled a list of all. 44 games that we have talked about in some detail and uh we're, we're gonna take a moment to just talk through them i guess each and every one of them no um we'll see how we go um so yes so we've having made it a list based on all our descriptions about all the games we talked about this isn't like a um a final talk about uh, every game that came out this year, there's been a lot of them, and it's hard to sort of track down each and every one of them. Um, I think at last count, H.I.O. had 30,000 games in total, and had it, we haven't gone through all of them. So of the 44 games or so we've talked about this year, let's just have a, have a talk about them. You have, a, you have two games you mentioned that you really like, but I want to throw a curveball at you. Okay. Um... What has been the most unusual game you've talked about this year? Off this whole list? Yes. Ooh, um, <laughs> it's a toss-up for me, because the most unusual game mm. would either have to be 
reading through Machine Gun from episode yeah. nine by uh, River House uh, Games. Yes. Or reading through the Sailor Moon role playing game and then never picking it up ever again. Did you read through all of it? I read through at least how to roll and how to make characters and how to make like I skimmed through like encounter design. Okay. This is a game from the 90s. I remember we, we said it was very chunky, but I don't think we ever followed up on that. <laughs> it's still very chunky. Yeah. It's definitely one of the weird ones because they really just like looked at the show and went, okay, how can we like they tried to make it as close to the show as possible, but like tried to make it into a game. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where like, you know, I'm so glad we have systems like Fate and uh, uh, <laughs> Powered by the Apocalypse and Forge in the Dark and Cortex Prime, because those were definitely easier options to make a game like this. And yeah. they chose none of those. That's very funny. I do want to do a full episode on that and potentially play a one shot because that'd be very funny. It's <laughs> like, I like I'm finding that I'm really interested in in like games I really don't usually like, like games that are too crunchy and this sort of thing and trying to figure out why exactly I don't like it. And that might be exhausting. It might not be a very good idea for, for a one shot or something, but I find it like very fun. For me, one of the games I really like talking about was Monopoly Fortnite Edition. I saw that on the list. Yeah. It's such a weird game. It's like one of the things I actually I've I've since wrote an article for Dicebreaker about it, um, which is very fun. It's such a weird game. It's not a good game, but it's it's so interesting in that it's it's like trying it's it's not being a monopoly, but it's also being a monopoly at the same time. And it's like taking big swings, but also like a lot of the the failings of the game, which is that it doesn't really give you much agency to play. Like it pretty much runs itself. It's just so weird. And it's just like the idea still makes me laugh because like, who is this for? Who wants to play Monopoly Fortnite? People who like Monopoly are just like, this game is very violent. I don't want to play a tactical shooter. I don't want to, like, throw bombs at my family. Um, and then people who like Fortnite have Fortnite. I've gotten into Fortnite since playing Monopoly Fortnite Edition, and the result of it is I've played more Fortnite than I've played Monopoly. Um, and so that's really stuck with me. I think I've also got, like, a number of ones that I went for specifically because they were unusual, like, like, Wilt and 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 uh I think I have what's a really weird one? Machine gun absolutely. Machine gun's absolutely weird. Yeah. Which I do want to play. I want to play that too. I don't really know how to play it. Like it's I think that's the point. How do you set up for it? Yeah. And it's just like it almost makes me feel nervous about like playing it because it's so unusual. Because again, you just play a jazz album and then you just make kind of noises and like someone reads out the rules and you talk over them as they read out the rules. And it's very like confrontational and and I think it's like anti-capitalist in this description. And I'm like, what is that? And yeah, I've 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 sort of enjoyed going for the the sort of the strange ones. That's my that's my one answer, which is two two answers or three <laughs> answers. So Going away from the weirdest game we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. What has been like, what's been like the most satisfying game you've been able to touch on? Hmm. Satisfying. Mm -hmm. That's such an interesting question. Yeah. Do you have one? I have an idea of one, at least. Yeah. For me, what was really satisfying, I think, is just, it'd probably have to be Blades in the Dark. Hmm. Just because 
just because that's so it's a good game. That, it's a good <laughs> it's a good game. But also anytime I talk to people about that game or anytime I'm like trying to explain the game, I'm like, think of it like you're scripting a TV show. And my brain just like one to ones it. Like I know exactly yeah. what I want this character to do and go into mm-hmm. the next scene. I want this character to reveal this plot point. I want this character to help this person out in this way. And this is how it shows on the screen. Like, oh, actually, I walked by that card and I uh, filched the key and passed it off to someone else. That's how I helped. Yeah. I, to me, that felt very satisfying. Other games that did that differently, though, anytime I played like the captain kind of playbook and beam saber or like yeah. where you got to crew a ship and play support and like armrester advent beam saber again, stuff like that. Those were my favorite kind of playbooks to play. It felt really satisfying because it's just like always fun to figure out new and unique ways of how I help someone. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like looking through all these games and I'm finding like a lot of these games really intrigue me because I feel like they're going for something that they don't quite reach. And I'm just like, that always grabs me. Like Heart the City Beneath is a game I love deeply and I'm very intrigued by, but it always feels like it's not quite there. Like it needs one beam saber or something to to do something to change it up. And like a lot of these games I really like, but they're just, they're not quite there. And that's what really, really makes them stick out in my in my brain, um, because like games aren't perfect. That's that's just how they are. the The idea uh, in my brain that I want them to be, are never quite there. Mm-hmm. And so my idea of satisfaction is a game that has none of uh, like has it just feels right. It just feels great to play. I suppose like Offworlders is great in that way because it it's it's so easy to pick up and play. It's like, it's my go-to one-shot game that I'm just like, hell yeah, I know this game, I can play it. It's it's easy to pick up and improvise with, even though I do ignore a number of the rules and also make up my own rules whenever I play it. But yeah, I'm like looking at so many other games and it's just like satisfying. It's so interesting because like, I don't know if I play games to be satisfied in that way. Like I'm looking at Monopoly Fortnite Edition, a game I really like, but I really have a lot of problems with that game. Uh, so maybe maybe it's not satisfied then maybe the question is more just like what game felt the most fulfilling to play good god uh <laughs> did that did that know. make it worse uh i don't know this is such a weird thing like i really like good society that's a fun game yeah but like I don't know. I always think between like Offworlders and Good Society. Good Society is a very easy game to play, get into, and play scenes. And I guess that's my answer. That's the, that's I'm really struggling with this question, which is interesting. That's a good answer though, because like it's very satisfying to be able to pick up a game and immediately mm-hmm. get into it. You know, that's why I always have For the Queen as one of my most attractive games to just go up to mm-hmm. people like, hey, let's play this real quick. Fifteen minutes yeah. in, hey, we just wrapped up the game. How do y'all feel? Yeah, or like the quiet year is a really good way if you want to kill multiple hours and build a really nice niche fucked up community. And it's also like interesting because like one of one of the games that I really really enjoyed this year and was very intrigued by is Fathom, which I tried pitching to people. Like I was talking about like potential games you could play for a one shot, and we came up with Red West. But like I was like describing Fathom, and it's such a difficult game to pitch. It's like. It doesn't have the easy pitch of your your cowboys on Mars and you're fighting against demons. It's all right. You have you're fighting concepts 
you, you can you can travel between different layers of reality that makes things more abstract or more real depending on where you are. Hmm. The monsters are like storms or capitalism, and you kind of beat them up. And you also mm. play as Scooby-Doo. And it's like, I love it. I love it. It's such a fun game. And reading through it, it's just like, what is happening? And like, I love the chaos of it all. But it's just so hard to be like, this is what this is. This is not, it doesn't have the easy pick up and play thing of The Quiet Year, where it's just like, yeah. you're playing a terrible year in some people's lives. To like touch back on that Fathom conversation, like you can't even really make the pitch of like, it's like Inception, because like, that's not really entirely accurate either. It kind of is, but it's just like... Do you want to play a really confusing uh, 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 Chris, Christopher Nolan film? Like, <laughs> yeah. how do you feel about Tenet? How do, do you want to play Tenet? Oh, God, I never watched Tenet. Yeah, I know there's I like time to. travel shenanigans in it, but I, like, I still don't know what it's about. I still love the, the big sale of Tenet, apparently, was it was supposed to be the movie that brings everyone back to the theaters after the mm. pandemic. I think not. it did. I think it brought people to Fortnite. Wasn't it on Fortnite at one point? <laughs> oh, shit, it was. I remember seeing having YouTube videos on Mark and being like, ah, yes, Tenet and Fortnite, you know, from the movie and Fortnite. <laughs> Which is wild. That's one of the reasons I really like Fortnite, because it just does things like that. Fortnite's very interesting overall. I should play it. It's it's bad. I don't know. <laughs> I'm torn about it. Um. Okay, So so going off of that, I have another category, which is... Which is the most on your bullshit game from this year? Oh. Uh. And while you struggle, I'm going to also figure out what my answer is for this. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, here's the thing. The most on my bullshit game of the year is probably going to be also be my game of the year, too. <laughs> well, do and you want to keep it a secret or do you want to... I, I, I'm going to keep it a secret, but let me, let me think of a runner-up real quick. Hold on. Okay. Oh God. Um. <laughs> um. This is why I didn't write any notes for this segment because I just wanted to jump in and just be like, uh, "Seat of your pants. What is going on? Oh, I have no idea." <laughs> Which is for both of us. That's that's the fun thing of this. Uh, oh God. So one part of my brain wants to like, as another answer, put in Rune because that Rune playthrough we did was so much fucking fun. And it mm. was just that one coast that we did. I want to go back and do more because that's yeah. entertaining and fascinating. And I want to switch up the seats a bit. I would love to follow that character whose name I forget. It's, yeah, no, I'll have to go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> and like, <laughs> wait, actually, we have the roll 20 page. Yeah. Love that character. <laughs> What's your name again? <laughs> yeah. You were my favorite character. Who are you? I think they had a scar or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, they had like a scar over their eye and they were like highly aggressive and like, Murder. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron. That's her name. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. They had a... What did they have on them? They had some bullshit. <laughs> I think, like... Oh, you had, you had like, amazing abilities that allow you to breeze past every combat encounter. There it is. Erupting flame and spear. Yeah. Which, I, I had so much fun with that. That's such a fun mm. combo. I would love to just have at all times on hand. Win the rest of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Rune is a really fun one... That, like, entertained the idea of it, and I had a bit of what it would be like to be in that, like, Souls world, especially, like, with the new aspect of Elden Ring, where, like, you can only complete certain quests at certain times of the day, but that coast we were on did that very well. Yeah. 
Bullet is another one that I have yet to play, but I feel like if I played it, it would be exactly what my bullshit is. Just what a fucking wild looking game. And how the rules are the name of it? Again, I'm so confused by that one review that we read. Uh, <laughs> what what would be your answer? What game is on the most of your bullshit? So I recently uh, I, I am working on a NPC generator for something. I, it might be for like Let's Roll, which is the place I've been doing some freelance writing for. But I'm I'm working on a character a generator, which which I shared in like the. The role plus bond discord at one point, and I think I noticed looking over it is that my bullshit tends to be here. I'm going to do something really weird. I'm just going to make a character generator that'll just be like a mess of all these things. Like there's like a thing where you roll twice for your family and it could be really right home and twin or disgraced family. And I have no family or stuff like that. And mm -hmm. A lot of my thing tends to be like, I'm going to throw like a jumble of weird things at you. One of my impulses as a game designer is like, here's a bunch of jumble of things and you have to make sense of it. It's not the Morkborg thing where you're like, here is your answer. You don't have to worry about it. It's like, I'm going to throw a bunch of contradictions at you and trying to figure out what comes of this. And it's fun. I like that because it like challenges you to come up with fun answers or come up with, with strange answers and stuff like that. And um, I think that's why, like, I'm going to go back to, to back to probably close to my game of the year, which is Fathom, because it is that it is a game that is that is incredibly difficult to explore, uh, to define and incredibly difficult to kind of like come up with. And it's very conceptual and very strange. And I think like any two people playing this game will come up with, with completely different games. And that's why I really like it. It's like a game that really encourages you to be creative with what you do. And I really like it because you can play as Dracula, because you can play as Scooby-Doo, because you can play as who else is bloody in that game? I can't even remember. You can play as like a person who wears many faces mm -hmm. and it's just like, it also has like a lot of really fun references in it. And so you can sort of like, oh, that's the direction this game is coming from. And like the, the different interpretations of each of the classes is just so much fun. Um, and I'm also not immune to the, the the pop culture thing of, oh, it's making reference to this thing. I love this thing. It's 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 referencing this. And so, yeah, I'm so I'm really drawn to Fathom for that reason. Mm -hmm. In that it is a very strange and unusual game. It is a game that you have to really sort of sit and think about. Um, and it is a really fun and creative game. So I think, again, Fathom is is a really, really interesting game. And it's my most on my bullshit thing, because again, it's very hard to pitch for as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of the games this year have been stuff. I'm just like, hey, do you want to play Fortnite Monopoly? And everyone's like, I guess. Why Why <laughs> would you want to play this? But I'm just like, I love it because it's weird. It's silly, weird bullshit. Yeah, it's my weird bullshit. And so that's why I'm really drawn to Fathom. Funnily enough, my like friends, anytime I try to pitch like a tabletop RPG, I'm like, this mm. is fucking weird. Why, why am I not rolling D20? I'm like, because there are systems outside of it please yeah it's, <laughs> it's like it's like that but what if what if what i was saying was wild <laughs> like what if what i said made no sense cool why do all your games circulate around starting crimes and like rebelling against authority and like because that's what i want to do in D D too like hold on yeah i want to become un unknowable is, is what i want to do <laughs> ungovernable <laughs> I want to become bizarre and strange. Play Fathom. It's this. <laughs> don't play D and D. Play this. 
if you're listening to this episode, try Fathom. Get like a few friends to hang out with you. Try it out. Yeah. Give it a few shots and also let Brendan and Matt know mm. what you think about their game too and how your session went. And then also tell us about your game too. Send us an email about it. And honestly, if you just want to do what, 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 I mean, we played it. I was going to say, if you want to do what I did and just read it, it's a great reading experience, but I also mm. played it and I had a lot of fun with that. I should. I want to go back and play Fathom again, but as a player this time instead of a GM. I want to. I want to figure out what I would do with this game because I'm like playing Weird West and prepping for that, and just thinking like this is a really weird way of approaching this one shot. Just coming up with multiple locations. I guess this is what I'm into. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in going to Fathom and seeing what I do with this particular version, my particular version of it. Um, do you do you have a, another category? Hmm. Let's see. So we did. Weirdest game, most mm-hmm. satisfying or fulfilling. Yeah. We did most honor bullshit. Yep. Hmm. I got one now. What is one mechanic you would take from one game and put into another game? Oh, God. <laughs> Coming at you, little hard ones, huh? Oh, man. I think I know my answer. Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> Every game is Monopoly. I want Sailor Moon Monopoly. I want oh. Fathom Monopoly. I want Harvester Advent Monopoly. As the sun forever sets meets Monopoly, you're like moving around as, as Martian so, tripods attack you. Oh, that would be amazing. Send that to Riley. Send that to Riley. That's a cursed thing. Poor Riley. Oh, God. Um, do, you, do you have an answer for this? I'm, I'm reading over all these rules. So, off the games I do know about, I think for as the sun forever sets, I really like that like limited time, limited day mm. cycle. Like you have a month to survive to do this. I think that'd be interesting in Armorister Advent, a game that's about a cause rebelling against authority. Yeah. Like you have thirty days to make an impact, or else the authority will like tear down on you. Just kind of turn up the clock on that and really pressure pressure the game more. Or put the take the battle grid from Rune, put that into Fathom. Uh, did you say battle droid or battle grid? Battle grid. The little, okay. little Mega Man <laughs> uh metal Me- Mega Man battle network map that they have in Rune. Yeah. And just drop that into Fathom and be like, okay, here's your abstract area. It's a three by three grid. Good luck. I mean that I mean that's 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 Vasan. Vasan. Oh, Vason has like something similar to that where you have like different zones you have to move through. There's like different ranges and attacks and stuff. It's not. I mean, uh, that's uh, um, what's it called? Uh, it's the uh, Mutant Year Zero system or whatever that system is called. But it is similar to that. <laughs> hmm. I did not know. It's. I was. It was one of the things I really disliked about that game. <laughs> but that's just me because I'm just like I don't like combat grids. I'm like, I like Rune because it was very different to me, but like, yeah, I would check out Vason if you haven't already. I should, considering Huntsman's Hydra is like working on making a season out of that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what is my goddamn answer for this? How do I combine two games together to make interesting things? Can't be done. It's kind of interesting, like, I can think of, like, really basic things like Morkborg and, uh, and Heart City Beneath would be a really good mixture, because I like the system of, of Heart the City Beneath, despite its problems, and I like the world of Morkborg, but that's not an interesting answer, I want to give a better thing, I want to give, like, what's the Monopoly combination thing? I don't really have an answer for this one, this is really difficult. 
because I've like the entire year I've been approaching them as like this is this game. This is what this is. You can't add any rules to it because then it's a different game. And now I'm asking to be I'm being asked to be creative and stuff. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, <laughs> well, like, so my reason for bringing that up is like, you know, Massive Press's uh, icon. They basically have your like very intricate, just like exploration system, which is their like Lancer combat mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. And then you they just mash in the downtime mechanics from Blades in the Dark. They just add to that in to abstract a whole bunch of stuff out. I don't fucking know. I guess I'll just go with the Morgborg and, and Heart the City Beneath, because I think that'd be a really fun game to play. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a lot of work to adapt one setting to another. This is like people who are like, oh, I'll, I'll just do I'll just do Blades in the Dark setting, but I'll put it in like a Tranimieval book so you can play Petito Street Station. And that sounds fun. That sounds like a lot of work. But because this is speculative, I don't have to do the work. So hell yeah. <laughs> That's going to be my answer. Okay, I have a question. Yes. Which will, which will lead on to what comes next. What kind of game didn't you play this year that you wish you did? Like what kind of game is in what kind of system or what game on this list? I mean, like looking at these lists, looking at all these games you played, what are you missing out on? What are things that you haven't touched on that would be really fun to touch on potentially next year as, as a teaser for, for next year's show? I kind of want to mess more with like Cortex Prime games, because ever since my conversation with uh, Commander Pulsar uh, way back, mm. I'm interested in see how building out a game works, considering Cortex Prime doesn't really have a like base game. It is. Yeah. You are building a system. You are taking the system and you are using it to build your world from scratch. Either that, or I just I just want to play more Powered by the Apocalypse games too. I I I love Forge in the Dark. Forge in the Dark will always be my go-to. I should get used to Powered by the Apocalypse. So that's interesting. Because I remember like our discussion about Codex Prime. You're just like, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. I want to be proven wrong. Everything it's doing is is terrible. Yeah, I'm finding like I want to do more crunchy games. I don't know why. I think this is like a weird impulse that like. I have games I genuinely enjoy playing and I'm very interested in. And then I have all these games that I have no interest in. Like, I still have this bizarre urge to talk about D&D. &D, mm -hmm. And I don't know why that is. And I don't think I should. But just like, I, I want to understand it just like I want to understand Monopoly Fortnite Edition. And that it's like a highly corporate product. And yeah. like, why is it so popular? Why do people talk about it? Why do people go into it? And I yeah. I, I think that's a good reason for it, too. It's like you can't really as much as like the indie space wants to separate itself from D&D. &D, mm. If you want to sell your game, you have to pitch it in some way, shape of just like it's D&D, &D, but you do this instead. Yeah. Which is a very common discussion. Uh, one of the I remember, uh, um, who, who made uh, For the Queen? What's the designer's name? Alex Roberts. Alex Roberts had like a, a, a talk um a couple of months ago now where uh, she was talking about like her target audience and her target audience is people who hadn't played a tabletop rpg before mm -hmm. and she said that's a pretty big audience and so that's i that's always stuck with me that it is like you don't have to go with the the thing which is kind yeah. of underpinning my own point which is like a dnd is very popular i, I want to talk about it for that reason and explore it for that reason mm -hmm. but like i you know there's the 
question of like, well, what do people who have never played t- tabletop RPGs usually look for? And th- I think the easy answer to me, at least uh, from my perspective, is just like, well, they see D&D be talked about in a whole bunch of different circles. Like, yeah, you have uh, YouTube channels running their own D&D sessions or you hear uh, you especially now on TikTok too, you know, if you like like a little animated thing that happens to be a D&D thing, you start getting recommended it other D&D like stuff over and over. And so you go, OK, well, I guess we'll try D&D at some point. You go to Adventures League at your local game shop. I think accessibility is a big thing of it. Or you see your favorite voice actors talking about it or like they were internet celebrities playing like the, these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Or you have a webtoon or a uh, comic artist who draws stuff from their D&D session all the time, mm. which kind of sets expectations for people about what D&D is going to be like. And they are catering their expectations to what they see on TV. And maybe not to what the people around them are thinking about, because I've had that issue before where I was like, oh, yeah, no, it's going to be like this, because obviously they're playing an average game of D&D on this show that has a thousand viewers on average and makes a whole bunch of money just doing this. So obviously my game's going to be exactly like that. And the answer is no. It depends on who is running the game and orchestrating it. Yeah, I think at some point in the future, I would like to touch a little bit more about D&D, but maybe with like a few other people who are way more in depth with it than I am for sure, because you can navigate the tabletop space without talking about the D and D game or one D and D or Pathfinder two E or Pathfinder in general, all those kind of games like that. But you will find a lot more people who played those as their first game. It's interesting. Cause it's also like, I have a lot of, I mean, I like to voice a lot of complaints about D and D too. This is probably just like a fun excuse for me to be like, Here's what sucks about D and D, y'all. <laughs> sit, sit back and listen to me as I as I tell you what's bad about this game, having read the books, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the same time, it does go really against like the mission that I've, I've we have with this podcast, which is like check out all the sick games that exist out there. Like a lot of the games we played this year were either available for an extremely low cost or available for free, mm-hmm. um, and they're really good they're really deeply interesting like fathom my game of the year is like currently in playtest and is available for free it should not be free at this current point i get why they do it but more people should be playing this game and you should pay like 20 bucks at least Mm -hmm. uh for this thing it's like it's like one of my things with like dishonored is that it is available for an extremely low price whenever you buy it but i'm like this game rules you should be paying 60 dollars for this even years after it came out Another good point about these games, too, is you don't need to buy multiple books to learn how to not only just play the game and run the game. You just need to buy the one. And when you do want to buy multiple books, like such as, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, The Manastern game? Yeah, Swarm by Ghostlight, the supplement. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's like, who does this? No one really does, like, this expansion thing. And when it does, it's just like, what does that mean? How does this expand on the setting? An interesting note about that is typically when that happens, it's actually a fan of the game who says, who messages the designer and say, hey, I want to make a supplement for your game. And the person says, yeah, yeah sure, go for it. And that person, yeah. they sell under their own name, not the designer name. But you can find, that's where you find like all your other classes and playbooks. Uh, Massive Press, they have their third party thing for sure. And Lancer is a big book, don't get me wrong, but I can learn to run the game with that one book. I can put a and or run the game with that one book. I don't need a GM's guide for it, if I remember right. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably completely wrong, completely forgot about. So now I need to check and 
Google something. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I am right. The Lancer Core book will basically teach you how to run the game and also teach you how to play the game, give you a few options. The mm-hmm. things I was thinking about was the extra narratives or the settings like the Long Rim or the mm-hmm. No Room for a Wallflower or uh, the Karakin Trade Baronies. These are all just expansions for the game that's already kind of big itself. Which is fun. Like, like I've written two um, supplements this year, one for Liminal Horror and one for uh, Paranormal Inc. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing I really liked about that was sort of like reading an existing game and just being like, what can you add to that? What can you like throw in to sort of like change up the system there or like, you know, respond to a certain bit of the, the, the setting and just be like, mm-hmm. how do we go with this? And that's like one of the things I really, really, really like about indie games is like, you know, creators like actively encouraging that without doing the D and D thing where like, all right, but if you mention a mind flare, you have to give us 35% of your profits. Mm-hmm. And I like that. It's fun. Yeah. Inter- interacting with fellow creators and doing stuff like that making game jams especially like having a game jam around one game in particular or like one subject setting subject in particular mm. it's always really cool like you know if you're making a game about a fictional mafia film yeah that never existed but always did yeah so i guess we should we should unless there's any final things about 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 the, the year in gaming you'd like to say yeah did did we ask the question of like what is our favorite game of the year? No, I think we answered it sideways by talking about our most on our bullshit game. <laughs> <But> okay, yeah. <laughs> what is what is your game of the year? I think you ha- you have two written out. I had two written down. One was a runner up that I mentioned before. It's Quiet Year by Avery Alder because of course mm-hmm. it's like one of my go tos. Yeah, but Armistice Advent and the reason I put this down is not just because it's a Friends of the Tables game for the next season. But I like how they do the B-plots. I love the playbook moves, and I love Gravity mm. Clocks as a concept as well, too, of just how that changes the dynamic uh, between players and how people can redefine or you can increase how it is or you can just free up that space entirely. And it doesn't just have to be with friends at your table. It could also be with random NPCs who are either your enemy, your rival, or an entire faction, I think, in some cases. And I, I really love that concept of gravity clocks. And then B-plot's just fun because it's just like a nice way of helping other people out or causing more problems on purpose. It's cool. I look forward to reading that game. Eventually, I'm going to sit down and just go through it because I've liked a lot of Rise stuff. I just haven't read through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've been able to read through Red West and uh, The Brightest Things We Know, and now I need to read through all of this. The, the two games I really want to sit down and run a session and then play a consistent, like at least like a three campaigns long uh campaign three session long campaign i mean is beam saber and armor Astra advent because all i'm thinking about is mechs at all times i love giant robots they're very cool yeah and mine is fathom because it's fathom. it's it's just the game i'm all my bullshit about and it's one of the like my big question this year was this like how do you fix heart how do you come up with the next thing and i think fathom is getting there i think fathom and and Blood Clot are sort of both games that are sort of like touching on what could be different with this game and what could be a really interesting direction. But I think like Fathom has like the most of my bullshit in it. And so I'm just like, oh my God, Fathom, ah, what is happening with all these things? Like the way it does playbooks, the way it does like advances and stuff like that is just. The advances are interesting. Yeah, I forgot about that. Where like you pay in points 
to get an advancement depending it's cool it's just like it's a really interesting game that has a lot of really great ideas in it um i think you know uh matthew goes dial and uh, uh brendan mcleod brendan mcleod sorry <laughs> i can't mm-hmm. remember names today i don't know what it is names are hard yeah uh i just incredible with the with what's going on um so that's that's my game of the year hell yeah hell yeah um <laughs> And uh, and yeah, should it should I go go to the go to the shout outs? Yeah, let's start shouting stuff out. Okay. So what have you been up to? What is what's what's been happening for you as we move on to the end of the year? Oh uh, well, you know, as we move on to the end of the year. Um so by the time this recording goes out, I will actually be on Thursday night. Uh I will probably be playing I should download Soma, but Holly wants to play that with me. So I'll probably be playing mm, um scary game. Scare, uh, some kind of scary game, or I might just play some Armored Core Five on Thursday. But if you uh hang out on Tuesdays, uh, for right now, I am playing Little Nightmares mm-hmm. for Little Nightmare Before Christmas. I have completed the main game for the first one. Now I'm going to be digging through the three DLC and then playing Little Nightmares Two before Christmas comes around. Um, hopefully I'll be able to stay consistent with that streaming schedule. That's my plan so far is at least try to get two streams in a day, uh, a week. I mean, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, we are over at Huntsman's Hydra, uh, preparing for our season two of our shows. So we're talking about, uh, recording days for one of them. And we're doing a session zero this Saturday for fire in the dark. And if you have not checked those out, we actually are just now moving stuff around a little bit. So if you go to Huntsman's Hydra, you should see two separate feeds for everything now. Uh, that is a new thing Brandon is working on at the moment. Yeah. But my main point is you should go listen to the first season Fire in the Dark and the first season Denari's Half Dozen, especially the Fire in the Dark interviews, because there's some really funny insights on everyone's character and a lot of swears from me against Brandon and Jamie. <laughs> Wait, swears? Yeah, I swore at them a lot. I said, fuck you. <laughs> Y'all are fantastic. Fuck you, though. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, I promised to release a game last episode, which was a, a Guntrov game for a Guntrov thing, and I finished it. It was really hard. It was it was a week of of solid um of preparation on it, and it's out there. It's Guntrov Must Die, which is kind of like very inspired by uh um. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead kind of thing where you basically like you play the characters in a fictional version of a movie that doesn't exist as you try to like escape their fate while playing it out um and it's it's a pretty simple game it's not it's not too difficult it's got really cool character sheets and moments from this fictional movie that doesn't exist um, the art is incredible. It's done by Prudence Terry uh, who is a friend of mine and um, can be found on the internet uh, at Sketching Squiv on Instagram and really brought out this game. It looks absolutely incredible. It's just basically I shared like a bunch of old images from the poster, the fake poster of, of Goncharov and from like old films that I'm like, oh, this Gene Hackman film. I want to see like Gene Hackman in the conversation. And so lo and behold, if you click on my uh, itch.io page, you can see you can play as Gene Hackman <laughs> playing Valerie Mikhailov. I love it so much. 
it's so it's so great because like how often do you get to see Gene Hackman in a role playing game? It's so rare. And I like it. It's 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 came out really good. I really love the layout of this game. I really like the weird things that are like happening in it. I like the possibilities of what could happen with this with this whole system. And yeah, I'm I'm incredibly proud of it. Um yeah, it's been it's been doing okay. It's it's still got some community copies. Um if you like to to get some of those for without paying anything. I'm very proud of it. It's just it's I'm I like looking at it just for the layout, let alone the game itself. Uh so that's something I'm very proud of that I made recently. Um I also made um uh two two things that I haven't looked at for a while for the Let's Roll uh play pass, which is a one shot in a cyberpunk universe where you're looking for a weird mystery person who hired you to look after a briefcase that and told you to not look into it. And that's kind of fun. It's like called the next three days or something like that. Um, and the other thing is I have a little black book, which is a list of like fun criminal NPCs you can throw into uh, a tabletop game, which is inspired by Better Call Soul and how like Soul has this like cool little book where it has like a list of like two story guys. And like, if you need someone for a job to just like, you know, to take the blame for something or to like smuggle something through, you can have this little booklet of like fun little NPCs to go through. Um, and so that's going to be available on Let's Roll Play Pass. If you just look for Let's Roll on the internet and subscribe to their um, Play Pass program, mm -hmm. uh, you should be able to get access to those, along with uh, a bunch of other games I've written for that. Um, and again, if you'd like to have any of these games, just send me an email, I'll send it to you for free. Just a little bonus for you. Um, and yeah, that's a bunch of things I'm excited for. I'm also going to work on some kind of one shot, I don't really know what, to come out in two months. Kind of curious about what that's going to be. I'm so far distracted with, with writing weird Red West. But yeah, well, I'm sort of seeing what, what what is coming up. And so that's that's the stuff that I have been up to. Yeah, anything else, Cole? Um, no, that's probably it, actually. Okay. Well, this was Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. And, or podcast. I've noticed we, we call it a podcast at a bunch of different places. Also a YouTube channel. I got to keep up with that branding. Anyway, doesn't matter. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs> uh, I was Marley. You can follow me at minor underscore Lenahan on Twitter and minor hyphen Lenahan on co-host. I'm also on Hive, even though that still isn't working for me. That app just doesn't work on my phone, which is fun. They've shut everything down still. Have they? Yeah, they've been doing patches and like fixes for a while. Okay, interesting. Uh, well, that's fun. Linktur.ee slash Vinyl Lenahan for all those links. Uh, and my pronouns are he, him. And I was joined today by... Hello again, I am Cole. You can follow me at IceColeBrew on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Tumblr, and co-host. And my pronouns are he, him, they, them. Are you on, are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Hi, Graham. I didn't know that. I'm not on Instagram. I guess that's why. Uh, I don't post much on Instagram, if I'm honest. I mostly just, like, look at photos and reels that Holly sends me. Yeah. And strange and mysteriously fantastic pizzas my uh, friend Dane keeps posting, because he's our resident pizza guy in my friend group. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, uh, you can you can follow this this podcast on Twitter at Inside the Table and at co-host at Inside the Table. 
also on linktr.ee slash inside the table is all there. Uh, you can review us on Apple Podcasts. We still stand at five stars with two ratings. Um, and thank you for sending those through. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to send them in to inside the table at gmail.com. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please recommend it to your person of the year. Yeah. That's all I will say. Um, and every day is Five Star Friday here at Inside the Table. If you find a game you like, go out and give it a five star rating. And that 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 that'll be it for this episode. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much for listening and have a lovely day. Uh yeah. One second. I think we actually had a we had an email from Anchor that said we had a, a reply on one of our episodes. I'm trying to find it. I got that too, and I couldn't find it. There's a questions thing you can do that I don't understand, and you can just do that on Anchor. If you can figure that out and tell us how to do it, tell us how to do it on Anchor questions. But I clicked through to that, and I didn't find anything. Yeah. So we'd like to answer your question. Send us an email. That's it's it's the easiest way. Emails are good. Emails have been going for like thirty years, mm-hmm. and they they've worked really well. So yeah, yeah, that that'll be all. Thanks, thanks everybody for listening, and have a lovely day. And goodbye, goodbye, Pumperum, goodbye. Pum- <laughs> not again. We can't do that again. <laughs> We're not doing it again. Pumperum. <laughs> Wait, shit. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye. And we're out. We're doing something different this episode. Yeah, there you go. New year, new me. Have you ever thought about how Red West is basically like all the episodes of uh, Futurama where they go to Mars and like Amy's family are all ranchers and cowhands and all that and they like raise livestock? I haven't seen enough Futurama, but that seems accurate. That just popped into my head like the most invasive thought I've ever had in my life. There's a fun thing where uh, if you scream on Mars, something I know about, there's not enough air pressure to carry it. And so like if you were like there and trying to breathe, the the the, the density of of gas or something would only allow your scream to go like a couple feet before it just stops. Like you can't couldn't yell very far. Um, and and subsequently, one of the things is if there's a terrible storm, like in in um, what's his name, Matt Damon's the the Martian, it would just be like a breeze upon your face. It wouldn't really be a massive thing because it's just like it doesn't have the air pressure, and so it would actually be really chill and really cool. And so I like the idea of just playing this this Western thing there, even though a lot of the things would be very different on actual Mars. And all of those things I'm going to ignore when I pl- when I play this game. <laughs> I think that'd be really funny to like terrify the table with, and like you see a, a red a red sandstorm blowing through the wind. You mm. don't you're not ready, and you just feel a gentle slap across the face from the wind. Yeah, you just walk through it. Like that would be horrifying. Just like this is the worst storm we've ever seen, and you walk through it, and it's nothing. Mm. It's like the the gentle. It's like a gentle breeze upon your cheek, and that's that's it. And that's when you hide the, the demon in there. Um, it would also be terrifying to have the, the yelling thing where you have to be really close to everybody in order mm-hmm. to be heard. And that's really fun. So that is yeah. that is Red West. I'll keep you updated on that. We're probably going to do a one shot next. I don't post much on Instagram, if I'm honest. I mostly just like look at photos and reels that Holly sends me. Yeah. And Strange and 
mysteriously fantastic pizzas my uh, friend Dane keeps posting because he's our resident pizza guy in my friend group. <laughs> Wait, re- what's that mean? What's a resident pizza guy do? He, like, if we want to know about a pizza place in various areas and cities that we go to, we say, hey, Dane, where should we go get pizza at? And he offers three to five recommendations. Wait, really? He's the reason why I get honey on my pizza now. Okay. Like, a honey pear pizza is so fucking good. Does he travel for pizzas? Uh, no. We just have broad opinions. He just... He has opinion. Like, whenever he goes to a new town, he goes to find pizza. And, like, he goes to all the new pizza places around Austin. And he uh, tries out, like, all the new pizza combinations or gets staff recommendations for various pizza places. Okay. What's what's Dane's uh, Instagram? <laughs> I want to I want to shout this out. <laughs> I don't know if you'd like me to shout it out, but I can tell you it. Okay, you don't have to. You don't want to, but there's someone out there. <laughs> I, I I will talk to him about it and be like, hey, next episode I'm gonna have a whole pizza episode. We're gonna find a pizza pizza tabletop yeah. RPG <laughs> pizza segment. Uh yeah, so uh, uh uh you can you can follow this this podcast on Twitter at Inside the Table.